unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. Thank you for being here. I also want to welcome all of those that are watching on YouTube or on Facebook. Thank you for making this part of your morning. We have quite a few that are gone this morning at CYC, so we're, we're short on a lot of our young people. Uh, please pray for them uh, <clears throat> that they'll have a safe return this afternoon. We come together this morning to worship the Lord Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Father, we know that you are the supreme being of this universe and that all things happen according to your will. We pray that you will be with us today as we worship you. We pray that our worship will be acceptable in your sight. Be with those that are traveling today that are coming back home. Give them a safe journey. Be with us as we enter, in, enter into this time together. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First song to this morning will be number two in the hymnals. Uh, we praise thee, O God. We praise thee, O God, for the sound of thy love. 
let us bow, please. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time. We are grateful and thankful for this great privilege that has been given unto us to begin not only another day, but another week to and spend it this time in praise and in worship unto you. And our prayer this hour is that all that we do will bring honor and glory unto you. We're thankful for each and every one that is here. We're mindful of those that are not, some that are traveling, and we pray that you will grant them a safe return to us later today. We are mindful that others are hindered due to health. We pray that whatever their struggles might be, that they will be strengthened, that you will be with all who are involved in the administration of care to them, and if it be your will, that they return to us. And we know that there are others who are not with us, maybe because they are for some reason struggling with their faith, having some spiritual struggle, and we likewise pray that they will be strengthened, and as we have the opportunity, may we minister unto them in some way as well, and that they too will return to us. We ask you to be with Ken as he comes in a few moments to deliver a another message from your word and that our hearts and our minds will be attentive to those things that he is going to present and that we will make any necessary corrections in our lives and that we'll be able to make proper application. And we just ask you to be with us, guide us, direct us in all things, and that we'll do all things according unto your will. And it is for this that we ask, and in Christ's name, amen. If you are using your song books, here's Mark number 594, is the song of invitation, Live for Jesus. Uh, before the lesson and the scripture reading of today, we'll sing of a new creature, number 619.
this morning will be from Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the way of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work is in, in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and the followings of its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Good morning, everyone. Hope you had a good week. We've been praying for Stella Pittman for a while. First when she was just infirmed in her home, and then within the last few days as she was under hospice care, but she has passed away. Many of you have known her for a lot of years, and we just want to remember the family in our prayers. Uh, Joey is back there today, so let's be sure that we offer our condolences to him there's going to be a period of visitation for the family today over at McMillan Funeral Home. It's scheduled from 4 until 8. So I know where you're going to be at 5, from about 5 until 6. But if you could get over there at 4 or maybe leave from here after our services tonight, that would be a tremendous comfort to the family. And maybe... Maybe you've seen this happen in your own family. I, I sure have. And that is that someone who was a faithful member for many, many years, such an encouragement to the body, did their part in the function of the church. They served all that time and maybe then they got sick, were away from here for a while. And it's not right, but you know how it is. Sometimes it's out of sight and out of mind. When that person dies, then oftentimes it's just like folks forgot. How about let's do this? Let's, let's don't forget this family, okay? Let's just take a few minutes to extend our love and affection toward a family that's grieving. So if you have opportunity today, That'd be terrific if you could do that. Now, the funeral is going to be right here tomorrow. It begins at 2 p.m., but there will also be a, a period of visitation before that. I know a lot of you work, but you know what? If, if you're not working tomorrow, again, it would be a great tribute to a member of this congregation just to be here 
to offer encouragement. There'll be congregational singing so you can lift your voice as we remember a faithful child of God. Okay? Just nod your head this way. All right, today we're just going to talk about two things in the form of a question. Simple as can be. I want to know today, really along with you, am I dead or am I alive? I mean, that's simple, isn't it? Maybe as we sit here contemplating the question, we say, that's a silly question. Look at me, clearly. I'm alive. Well, let's consider what the Bible might have to say about some of that. Now, as you've already seen from this text, uh, there's living and then there's real living that's found in Jesus Christ. Let's not be a part of the walking dead. Let's be sure that we are alive in Christ. Before we begin, we're going to pray that God will bless us in our study of his word uh, in spite of the person who's going to say it. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for another first day of the week. Another opportunity to praise and exalt you. For some, another opportunity to hear your word proclaimed. Another opportunity to respond to your call from the gospel. Another opportunity to repent, to turn our lives around. I pray, Lord, today that just the simplicity of this message will hit its target. That you will help us in the hearing of this sermon to make a determination as to whether we are dead or alive. And Father, if we determine we are dead, I pray we'll not leave this place until we have made things right with you so that we can truly live in your presence. Help me, Lord, to communicate all these things that I've prepared in my heart to say and to be able to say them in a way that is not jumbled but is concise and logical and is easy to understand and receive. And Lord, I pray for those who hear your word today that even if I do fail in the communication process, that despite that, you will still make change in our hearts. I, I want so much, Lord, for all of us to be able to say that we are truly healed spiritually, that we are alive in your service. Please touch us in the way that you intend to today, that your word will be effective. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, are you? Are you alive? Are you dead? It is Jesus Christ who has made those who once were dead in sin to be alive. Jesus makes that possible. 
Dead in sins, separated from God. In that condition, as long as you remain there, you refuse the counsel of God, you don't respond. You're dead in your sin. You, you, you are lost. There's an eternal consequence for that. What's hopeful, though, is that this text coming from the pen of the Apostle Paul is a reminder that even if we find ourselves dead in sin, Jesus can bring life to us. People were once dead. Now they've been made alive. That, that could be me. That could be you. It might be as you sit there, you say, Ken, that that applies to me in the past sense because I've already been made alive. And that is most likely true for the majority of us. We can say with the Apostle Paul, that is something that once was true of us. That's not, not applicable anymore. If that's so, then just, you know, just let this be a review for you. And I pray that it will encourage and embolden you in your faith. But if that isn't so true, or if it is true that you had to become alive, but you... You have turned back to sin and you have become dead again. I hear people say lots of times that they, even though they are Christians, even though they had this transformation of life, that they feel dead spiritually. That ought never to be true. It is Jesus who is able to bring life into those who are dead because of sin. So I'm going to ask again, just as the premise for our discussion today, are you dead or are you alive? Well, are you, are you dead? Sin is like as though it were a spiritual illness that has no human cure. In other words, sin and its presence in you is so devastating in its effect that it creates a situation that you cannot deal with all by yourself. No matter how good you may be, no matter how right many or most of your choices may be, as long as sin exists, there isn't anything that you personally all by yourself can do about it. You're in as hopeless a situation as you could be. And as the text describes, you are, you are dead because of this spiritual illness. I want to kind of put this in context because the Bible actually uses that picture of illness to describe sin for us. I'm going to use an example that comes from Matthew chapter 8. This is following Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming down off of the mountain as he has spoken with his disciples. And the text says that a multitude of people follow after him. So that makes sense. Jesus had been followed by a multitude up until that point. He went up to the mountain and called his disciples to him. Now as he's coming off the mountain, well, the multitude did not go away. And so now they're, they're right back at him. In the midst of that multitude is a man who is a leper. And the leper comes to Jesus and he worships him. 
And he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so he gets the Lord's attention. And Jesus turns to him. He extends his hand. He touches him. And Jesus says these words, I am willing, be cleansed. And then there's just the commentary of the text. The text tells us that he was cleansed of his leprosy. Leprosy, as far as a medical condition in the first century, actually could refer to a lot of different illnesses. If that illness was determined to be contagious, though, not only did you feel bad because, wow, I've, I've got a terrible disease. I don't want anybody else to catch this, so I need to stay away. N not, not that. You know, we've kind of been conditioned to think of others, right, with the pandemic and all will wear a mask or uh, many have submitted to the taking of a vaccine and we social distance and all that. We want to be as kind and thoughtful of others so that this communicable disease that we have, we don't want to extend to somebody else. And so we'll, you know, we'll take reasonable precautions. Th that wasn't the thing here. In society, if you were found by the quote unquote professionals to have this communicable type of leprosy, then you were ostracized. It wasn't like you could go to the clinic and get a mask or cover up and be okay. No, society was going to put you away from them so that you oftentimes, it didn't matter how rich you were, didn't matter how powerful and influential you were, if you had leprosy, it was such a heinous and despised and feared illness that they would separate you from the entire community. And then you were responsible to let others know that you have this terrible, rotting form of disease. You would cry out to people as they approached, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that might do to you psychologically? You know, at first I get it. I just want to protect people. I'm kind of healthy. I've just been diagnosed. I seem to be doing all right. Yet I'm in this period where I'm not real sure. So I'm just going to take care of everybody. Every time you yell out to others, unclean, it just starts making more and more a depth of impression on you. Not just that my disease is unclean, I, I begin to feel unclean. And as the disease progresses and the wounds become festering, more and more you identify with being unclean. Oftentimes sin was likened to the disease of leprosy. It brings death. It ostracizes us. We are spiritually unclean. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1 and verse 16, God is describing what he sees as Judah's picture before him. Now, if you ask anybody who was in Judah at the time, they would say, we're great. 
You know, we're wealthy, we're powerful, we are feared by other nations. We are powerful enough, though, that we can make allies with powerful nations. So nobody can touch us. We, we're good. God says, that, that isn't what I see. Isaiah 1 verse 6. What I see is that from the sole of your foot to your head, there is no soundness. What I see are wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. And he says, in regard to that, you've done nothing to care for your illness. The wounds have not been closed. You've not put a dressing over those wounds. You have not soothed them with ointment. Judah says, we are good, you know, we're, we're powerful, we're healthy, we're strong. God says, no, you're not, you're sick. And as I look on you, not only are you sick, but nobody's taking care of you. You don't even have the sense yourself to bind up your wounds. It's just like you're leaking out, you're festering infection, unclean. You may look at your own life and say, you know, that, that sounds awful. I'm wondering what in the world could help something like that. Especially somebody who puts on kind of an air of health and I'm good, but on the inside, they know that they are rotting. How does anybody heal from something like that? And, and the whole point of this discussion and, and of thinking of the leper is that just like that leper, when he comes to Jesus, he says, if you are willing, if you will do this, you can make me clean. But first of all, I, I have got to come to the realization that I am unclean that I do have sin, that I am dead. Most would say, Ken, you know, and I, wow, pretty dramatic about the festering wounds and all that stuff, pretty gross. But I, I'm not like that on the inside. You know, I, I, sure, I'll admit I, I make mistakes, but I'm not that bad. I, I, I'm not... I'm not a festering sickness here. I'm not contagious. I don't have what you're describing as the extreme. Look, I, I want to look at a couple of passages that talk about sin for a minute. One is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Yeah, Ken. A lot of sin there. But I'm not, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a homosexual. I, I've not been involved in, in those kinds of big ticket sins. Or a passage like Galatians chapter 5, where in verse 19 beginning, he says, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, 
witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now again, right there in that list of sin are a lot of things. Again, we say those are those big bads. And Ken, again, I, I don't do any of that stuff, but Do you, do you ever lie? Do you ever become bitter? Do you ever get frustrated with people who don't see it your way? You ever get so angry inside at another human being? You know, those attitudes are also listed here in this particular text. I think part of the problem with making a judgment about ourselves is our perspective. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when I say I'm not that bad or what I've done isn't so terrible, it's from the perspective of, well, what I've done is not so bad compared to what he has done or she has done. My sin isn't as bad as all that. So I'm not that person that has the putrefying sores. I'm not that person who is sick. If the perspective that I'm using is comparing myself to others, then really all I need to do is just be better than somebody else. But that isn't how this works. God is not judging me on the basis of how I measure up against somebody else. God is measuring me against just the simple question, have you committed this sin or not? Is this a description of your life or not? And you say, well, these things I haven't done, but have you done these? And you say, well, on occasion, then the answer to it is guilty, responsible. You are responsible for that. And when I look at you, I'm not looking at you as though you were in the mass of humanity and you're not so bad as the other. No, because sin exists in you. I look at you and I say, you are sick. And until such time as we are like that leper and we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I know you can heal me, so please do that. Until such time as we will be real with ourselves and accept the fact that, you know what, I'm not comparing myself to anybody else. I'm just saying, as regards my relationship with God, am I committed or not? Am I actively in sin or not? If I am, I need to repent of that. I need to submit myself, generally speaking, in obedience to the Christ. And when I will do that, I'm coming to him and I say, Lord, if you are willing, you can, you can cleanse me. And in response to my obedient faith, Here's what the Lord will say. I am willing. Be cleansed. So, you know, just being honest, just looking at ourselves, not from a broad perspective, 
But just thinking about myself in terms of what I know God expects of me. How's it looking? Are, are you dead? Maybe not. Maybe you're alive. Are you? Is it true that you are alive today? Because if you are alive today, then that means that you are in the active pursuit of the things of God. It isn't enough for you, for instance, just kind of assemble here, sing a few songs, going to put a check or some cash in the collection plate, going to eat that cracker and drink that juice, and I'm good. Not that, but that you are in a pursuit after God. That is what spiritual living is about. That is how I know I am alive. I look at my life, I say, what's this life about? What does my life look like? If I am majoring in the pursuit of the things of God, then, then I'm soaring. Think about the situation that Jesus found himself in when he was being tempted by the devil. Now, back in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, this was in response to God having sent manna from heaven. And you know, people were like, wow, God's taking care of us. He's sending us manna. But is that what really God wanted? Did God really want people who were just so committed to him that they would get up every morning and gather manna? <laughs> no. I mean, if they wanted to physically be nourished, sure, you better go out there and get that manna. But that is not what God was looking after. In fact, right there in that text, almost, you know, ironically speaking, yeah, you're getting the bread, but he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Now, over in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, as Jesus is being tempted by the devil, devil says, you know, you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. Turn these stones into bread. And that's when Jesus references that. He says, you know, it isn't all about satisfying ourselves physically. It isn't all about just pursuing the American dream. It's bigger than that. And especially in my relationship with God. Man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm not even simply looking for some benefit I might get from God, i.e. manna from heaven. I'm not looking for a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if I just got my life right, everything would go well. No. What I'm looking for is to commit my life to serve Jesus. I am going not to look for the manna from heaven, so to speak, but I'm looking for the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. I am in high pursuit of the things of God. And when I am, then like Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they should be filled. If that's what you're seeking, God is going to provide it in a steady form as though it were the manna from heaven. I love Psalm 63. I love the passion of it from the very first, from the get-go. Oh God, 
You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I mean, there is nothing here that satisfies me, but boy, in the depth of my soul, I hunger and I thirst after you. If I could just have you satisfy me, all of that hunger and all that thirst would be quenched. Oh, I desire it so much. If you're going to have a spiritual life, if you're really going to be alive, then that means that you're going to be in this active pursuit of the things of God. And you're also going to live this self-sacrificial kind of life. And I kind of touched on it a little bit there in that as I'm pursuing God, I'm not being satisfied with material things. God is not offering that for me. I mean, my goals are much bigger than that. So Jesus says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can have one cubit to a stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For you know that your heavenly father uh, knows that you have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. People sit around and worry, worry, worry. Where's it coming from? If I've committed myself to the pursuit of, of spiritual things and not to the material, if I am seeking the kingdom of God first, God says, you don't have to worry about these temporal material things. I am going to satisfy your needs. The problem is Satan comes along and says, but don't you want this or that? To satisfy our wants is going to require almost always, I want to say always, it's going to require us to forfeit something. So that means I won't be 100% seeking the kingdom of God. It means it's going to be divided. And you know what Jesus said about that. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he'll hate the one and love the other, else he'll be loyal to the one who despises the other. You, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, you, you wouldn't be alive. You would be dead. You'd been suffocated by the pursuit of material things, not spiritual When we are living this spiritual life, we are living a life that is under the gifting of God. You say, well, Ken, you, you, you just got finished saying not to expect material things. And now you're talking about God gifting us. But you know, God's gifts are much greater than some physical thing that's just going to corrode and decay. Decay. 
right? Think about the gifts of God. Say, boy, if God gave me a, a million bucks, boy, that'd be amazing. Would it? Because that's temporary. And it's also arbitrary. I mean, I, I can go to a country right now and carry around a million dollars. It's probably not worth 10 bucks. I mean, that's arbitrary. It's just numbers stamped on paper. What matters are the spiritual gifts that God gives. And I relish in the thought, if I'm actively pursuing him and I'm putting him first, that, you know, Ephesians 1 verse 3 describes that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's, that's really living. In fact, in the midst of that, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he says, well, one of the greatest things is that we are children of God. Wow. If I'm going to be living the spiritual life, if I'm going to be alive in Jesus Christ, then that also means that I'm thinking eternally. Yes, in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, that does, he, he's there with the woman at the well, and one thing that he expresses is that what I'm giving you, that is going to spring up into everlasting life. You know, I plant a seed, it produces a plant, it goes through its process, it produces a fruit, then it's finished. Now, it might be that some of that seed will fall and it will replicate itself, and we talk about, you know, plant hedges that are ancient. Uh, my grandmother planted this and over the years it's just kind of perpetuated itself. Okay, peace, but that's not eternal. What Jesus is talking about is something that when it springs up, it springs up into everlasting life. It is forever. And that's why we are admonished to set our things I set our minds on heavenly things, Colossians chapter 3. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. See that? You died to sin, but now you are alive in Jesus Christ. Because of that, I'm not going back into the things that created the death sentence to begin with. I'm leaving that behind as the old man that has died and passed away. And I'm being raised to newness of life, alive in Jesus Christ. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 even goes a step further. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How is it that I, I live now having died to sin? Jesus resurrected me from the dead. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 23, you know the wages of sin is death. Okay, but I don't want to be dead, Ken. I want to be alive. Well, he also continues by saying, but... The gift of God is eternal life. And he says that that is in Christ Jesus. If I am in Christ, I am alive. I'm not dead. I'm spiritually, with the hope of eternally, alive in Jesus Christ. If I'm living that, 
then that means that I have fellowship with Christ. And, and the, greatest, the greatest picture of fellowship with Jesus is in the process of that change altogether. Romans chapter 6, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For he says, if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Did you see that? Because of sin, doesn't matter who we are. Because of sin, we're dead. When we submitted to the obedience to the gospel, we put that old dead man in the grave. He died there with Jesus who bore all our sins on the cross. We leave that old man there in that grave and we come up out of that grave a new person, alive spiritually with hope of eternal life. He who has died has been freed from sin. I'm free from that. Slavery to sin. If I'm a child of God today, that means I went through that process. Who in the world, who would do this? Who, who would bury somebody in the ground, go about with a new life for a while, and then, like, you know, I kind of miss the old days, grab up a shovel and go dig up that old corpse? Who would do that? But how many people are creating an image for God that is actually worse than wounds and bruises and putrefying sores? For God, the image would be of us trying to act like we are new in Jesus Christ, carrying around a dead, decaying corpse of the life that we once lived. God forbid. Jesus, would you heal me? Would you cleanse me? And Jesus says, I will. I will. But we got to come to him in obedient faith. So I'm asking you again, today, your own assessment, not how you compare to somebody else, but how it is that you stand before God. Are you dead or are you alive? If you are alive in Jesus Christ today, then there is peace in this day and there is hope for tomorrow. If you are not, then you shouldn't go any farther than this moment right here. If there are changes that you need to make, then make them right now. Leave out of this building today alive and not dead. No one knows that but you and the Lord. So if you need to repent, let's repent today. Let's confess it. Let's get that out of the way. Let's pray about it and let's rejoice in his healing power. And if you're not a child of God today, let's wash those sins away. Let's rise up in newness of life alive in Christ Jesus. If anybody needs to respond, now's your opportunity. Come forward while we stand and sing together.
Lord's Supper, we'll sing the Lord's Supper. It's not in your songbooks, it'll be on the screen only. Supper emblems, if you would raise your hand, one of the ushers will assist you at this time.
Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, we read, Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. This morning, as we think about being alive in Christ, let us always remember it's because of Christ and his humility that we have this opportunity. Will you bow with me as we bless this bread? Father, we are so thankful for all the blessings of life you've given us. But this time, Father, we remember the cross and the greatest gift that we've ever received, Father. Lord, as we partake of this bread that is in remembrance of that body, we pray that we would remove all the worldly thoughts from our mind and think upon the cross. In Christ's name we do only pray. Amen. Will you bow with me again, please? Father, at this time, we remember that blood, that blood that was shed upon that cross. We realize it is because of our shortcomings, because of our sin, that Christ had to die on that cruel cross. We are so thankful, Father, and we pray that we partake it in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. In Christ's name, amen.
as the ushers are collecting the friendship registers, uh, we also just want to kind of give everybody an update on the uh, registering for accounts. So far, we have about 114 accounts that have been registered. When you take in consideration there are children in the families and, and just people that haven't done it yet, uh, we're on a good, good way. So uh, we were going to introduce the app this week, but since uh, we have a lot of people out with CYC, we're going to give them a chance to uh, be here together all next week when we do that. If you have not uh, registered yet, there are some handouts on the visitation table, has the instructions there. Uh, one instruction that's not on there is please have, when you set up a password, have at least six characters uh, or else it will not work. And uh, if you have any of the questions uh, regarding anything else, just see either the office, me or Jeremy or Brant will be able to help you with that. But turn it. I have two announcements to make before Brandon comes with the rest of them. If you are a past or present recipient of a scholarship from the Boonville Christian Scholarship Fund or a parent of a child who has received a scholarship, we would like for you to please meet in a little chapel after the closing prayer. In conjunction with that announcement, next Sunday night after Bible class, the visitation team and the scholarship committee invite everyone to attend a soup, chili, and sandwich supper. Food will be provided by the visitation team, the scholarship committee, and anyone else who is willing to help. There's a sign-up sheet for food in the foyer. This is a fundraiser for the scholarship fund, so we will be accepting donations, but everyone is, is invited whether you wish to donate or not. We hope to see you there. Thank you. It's good to see everyone this morning. Uh, so glad you're here. We had 273 with us this morning. And if you're here visiting, we're glad to see you and we invite you back every chance you can get. Um, but again, just good to see everyone this morning. We've covered a lot of the announcements that we had. I'll just bring a few things uh, to your attention. If you have a bulletin, several announcements there that you may want to look at. Uh, again, Ken has mentioned about uh, Ms. Pittman's uh, visitation. Again, will be tonight from four to eight at McMillan and the funeral tomorrow. Uh, so if you can, uh, be there for that family again please uh, please do so some last the leaders events uh, we have if you want to look at your bulletin there for that but we do have uh, one that I thought I might want to mention the third grade and fifth grade puppet teams will meet in the TAC immediately following morning worship and lunch will be provided also the Golden Circle will go to Miss Magnolia's in Corinth for breakfast tomorrow morning the bus will leave at 830 and uh, just, again, remember as we pray, remember our youth and those traveling back from CYC. Uh, my understanding, they've had a, a wonderful time, uh, very uplifting, uh, listening to the speakers and just being there for that. So if you would, bow with me, and we'll pray and we'll be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day that you've blessed us with. We're so thankful we could be here together to worship you. We pray that everything that has, said, has been said, everything that's uh, been done has been in accordance to your will and uh, to bring glory to you, Father. Father, we are thankful for this message that we've heard. I pray that each of us would remember what Ken said 
think about our life and, and think about and reflect to see if we're dead or alive. Pray, Father, that if we uh, need to make changes, we would do so today and we would talk to somebody, we would, we would pray and uh, just get things right in our lives. Father, again, we uh, want to mention the, the youth and those traveling. We just pray for their safe travels as they come back home to us today. Let's pray that you'd keep them safe. We thank you so much for your son. We thank you so much for your love for us. And we ask all this in your son's name. Amen.